It's out of Luke 24. At the crack of dawn on Sunday, the women came to the tomb, carrying the burial spices they had prepared. They found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb, so they walked in. But once inside, they couldn't find the body of the master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then out of nowhere, it seemed two men, light cascading over them, stood there. The women were awestruck and bowed down in worship. The men said, why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He's not here, but raised up. Remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee that he had to be handed over to the sinners, be killed on a cross, and in three days rise up? And then they remembered Jesus' words. They left the tomb and broke the news of all this to the eleven and the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them kept telling these things to the apostles. But the apostles didn't believe a word of it, thought they were making it all up. But Peter jumped to his feet and ran to the tomb, stooped to look in, and saw a few grave clothes. He walked away puzzled, shaking his head. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Anna. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. My name is Pastor Scott. So glad to be with you here this special morning. Uh, Put on a sport coat, even for the event. Come back next week. Coat will be gone. We'll continue our sermon series. In all honesty, I'm so glad to be here. I mean, every time we gather here for church, we believe that somebody's life is going to change. So turn to somebody on your left and right and say, maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Turn to your left, turn to your right, say, maybe it's you. And then turn to the same person and say, nah, I think it's going to be me. I think it's going to be me. Some of you here are regulars. You come and do this thing called church at Bethany every week or, or a bunch. And some of you might just come once or twice a year. And we're glad you're here because here's the thing. Whether we come every week or once a year, all of us are alike in that we sit under these different seasons. This is what our sermon series has been, that we go through these different seasons, seasons of relationships breaking down, seasons of new life, seasons of sickness, seasons of health, seasons of great discouragement, seasons of hope. It's what makes us human. And when you think about seasons of hope, as a, as a fisherman, I would always look forward to the coming fishing season. Be like, oh yeah, this is going to be our year. There's always so much hope. Or how about your sports season? People are already starting to have hope looking for the season of the Seahawks or, or maybe the Sounders. I mean, Mariner fans, you still have hope. And it's like almost May. It's amazing, right? Christ must be real. Must be risen. <laughs> season hope. When I think about, for me, a season of hope, I think back to 1992, the, uh, the season of hope. This was, this was going to be our senior year. We had so much hope and expectation. My buddies, we had worked for four years for this. Everyone got the memo Calm looking with hope and a little bit of anger, except for this guy down front with the long hair throwing the shaka sign. Who is that? That's Pastor Scott when he was proud and had hair before life humbled me. Uh, Season of hope. I mean, you know, way bigger than things of our past. We come today for Easter under this desire or expectation of hope. What do we believe about Easter? Is it hopeful? I mean, is this thing true that that Christ rose and that the tomb was empty? We say, yes, it was a historical fact. It was a fact that the, the, the women and men who followed him would give their lives in order to follow him. It's all based upon a faith with an empty tomb. 
In the book of 1 Corinthians, it says that I pass on to you first importance, the most important thing about the Christian faith. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And if it's true, those that have faith there, there's victory. And if it's false, then we're fools. Because Paul would go on to say in 1 Corinthians, he'd say, he'd say, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. If you're, you're still in your sins, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're of all people most to be pitied. And so it's a faith where the empty tomb matters. Our faith, the Christian faith, is about resurrection, that the tomb was empty because Christ is not dead, he's alive, and what it means for our life. And here's the thing. I'm not interested in a history lesson this morning. I'm hungry for transformation in my own life and people I love and this church. Is anyone else in the room interested in transformation in their life? Yeah, okay. I mean, the historical significance is fine, but this isn't a history class. We come hungry looking for encounter. And in this way, the encounter with the risen Lord, the empty tomb, it's not just the past, it's our present, it's our future. The empty tomb requires reaction. What does it mean for your life? Maybe Easter 2019 will be the day that your life shifts a bit, that you come back to the church, come back to the faith, renew your faith. You've been, you've been far and Jesus wants to bring you new through the power of the empty tomb. And maybe for someone else in the room, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm on the team, Scott. I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I said yes, but my life is so devoid of the power that raised Christ from the dead. I'm, I'm hungry for that kind of transformation now. Wherever you find yourself in the room, God wants to encounter you this morning and do a big work in your life. This is our big idea as we look at Luke 24, that Jesus meets us in wonder, and he teaches us to remember, and he calls us to believe in resurrection life. We're going to look at these three different words, wonder, remember, believe in the power of the resurrection life. We want to start with this word, wonder. Say wonder. Thank you. Jesus meets us in our wonder. Great energy in the back. Jesus meets us in our wonder. These are the first five verses of Luke 24. On the first day of the week, Easter Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared. They went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, angels, stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, this word uh, wonder, English is more limited than the ancient Greek where this story was recorded. We just say wonder, but the actual word in Greek is this word apareo. It means the women were standing in doubt. They were perplexed. They were hurting. Now, this is incredible to me because in all four of the, the Gospels, which are the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, uh, they were all written by four different disciples of Jesus. But in all four of the Gospels, the first to discover that the tomb was empty were women, were women in all four of the Gospels. They tell it a little bit different, but women were the first to encounter the risen Lord. Now, that's hugely significant because 2,000 years ago in Roman society that was empowering over the Jews... They, women had no rights. They didn't have rights in a courtroom. They didn't have rights by legal standard. They didn't have rights in their home. And yet Jesus comes and lets these women, these devout women, discover him first. It says very early in the morning, the first day after Sabbath, they go walking with their spices, something that probably looked a little bit like this. 
And they had spices to anoint the body of Jesus. And they were perplexed. They were apareo. They were wondering. They were hurting. Because Jesus wasn't just someone that they believed in. It was their friend. It was her son. It said Mary, Jesus' own mother, saw Jesus crucified on Good Friday. And here she is, the first day after Sabbath. Nobody could do anything uh, on Saturday. So they left the, the body in the tomb, they thought. And so they go looking, and then they get there. And they get all the way into the tomb, and then they, they drop their spices. Because he's not there. It's the empty tomb. This is incredible to me because even as these women were so hurting, so distraught, so doubtful, God, what are you doing? What do they do? They go walking to the tomb. They go looking for a miracle. And then when they get there, they don't just kind of, you know, take a peek and then run off. No, they go all the way in. They get in. They get into the tomb to to learn that it's empty. Same with Peter. He has to get in. So if you're looking for an Easter miracle this year, Man, maybe Jesus is calling you. You got to get in. Go walking even as you wonder, what are you doing, God? And then they learn that he's alive. And the angels ask this most unique question. The angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? It's almost ironic because they are in a tomb area. They're in a grave area. And the angel's like, get out of here. He's not, he's not here anymore. Why are you looking for life in dead places? Now, this is where the text, though it's 2,000 years ago in a historical fact, where it can lead for transformation for us now, because for so many of us, we keep looking for life in dead places. We take our dead dreams, we take our dead hopes, our dead relationships, and we, we turn to something that's not life, hoping for new life. We turn to alcohol, we turn to past relationships. We turn to someone else's approval that we'll never get. We turn towards a hurt from the past. We turn towards addiction to something being different in the future. And we keep trying and trying and trying for life in dead places. And we need to stop. It's not working. We got to leave it in the grave. Uh, Even for some of you, you're here on on Easter Sunday. But for some, even faith, even religion has become a dead place. And you put your faith in God. You came looking for something, but there's nothing for you that's been transformative. Your religion is dried up. It's devoid, missing the very spirit of God breathing through you. And you're looking for life in dead places. We've done this in many ways in the church. We've done this to ourselves because we've made enemies to those that don't believe the same things about us. People from different places or different beliefs and we're constantly feeling like the world's coming at us to to kill us. And so instead of focusing on the transformation of Christ first for me, his grace changing me to be a person of more love, more mercy, more justice, more action, more transformation. I'm busy, you know, judging my enemies. And the world starts to be defining Christians by the stuff we stand against instead of the person that rose from the grave. All right, now I'm starting to preach to some people because we're missing the power of the risen Lord in the tomb of our life. And maybe that's why just this week, Eastern Illinois University released a research report that for the first time ever, almost one quarter of Americans have no faith in God at all. And that's now topping Catholicism and Protestant Christianity for the first time. We've got a problem. We're looking for life in dead places. 
And whatever it is that's missing life this morning, Jesus says it's time to leave it in the grave. Your dead dreams, your dead promises, your dead hurt, your dead purposes, your dead faith, leave it in the grave. And when we do, when we go looking and take the things that we've clung to as as escape mechanisms and we leave it in the grave, we're ready for transformation. We're ready to have our eyes open to life in the living God. David Brooks wrote two weeks ago in the New York Times this article called The Moral Peril of Meritocracy. And he says, in America, we're suffering a meaning crisis. We don't have, we don't have meaning anymore. And Brooks' point in the article is that it's in our own mortality and losses in humanity that we begin to recognize the need for a different life. He goes on to say that your life is actually defined by how you make use of your moment of greatest adversity. Or as Jesus said himself, as he was heading to the cross, unless a seed falls to ground and dies, nothing grows. And so in this way, the death of Christ, his resurrection, his leaving the tomb can be not just historical fact, it can bring transformation to our life today. But for many, many, many of us, we go from those seasons of hope and we get in places of hurt and God feels far. For me, 1992, the season of hope, remember the Shaka sign? Well, just... You know, weeks before my senior season while cleaning this huge 40-pound salmon, I was a salmon, salmon cleaner in, in British Columbia, and I was cleaning this huge salmon, and the fillet knife slipped, and I cut off my finger. My, 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 I'm a receiver. I'm going to need all 10 of these. I had dreams. I had my identity. I had my pride. I had my ego. I had how I thought life would be, all laying there in the reality of my loss. And it's in this place, in these hurts, in the tombs of our life, in the things that we take to the grave where Jesus wants to resurrect. So we wonder, and then we remember. Say remember. I love your energy. Thank you. We remember. We remember the life to which we were made for. Life has got to be more than this. We remember. We remember Christ. Look what the angel said in Luke 24, 6 through 9. He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you? While he's with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinners, crucified on the third day, be raised again. And then they remembered his words. And they came back from the tomb. They told all these things to the disciples. They remember. They remembered his ministry. They remembered his words. Jesus had said himself, I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone wants new life, I will overflow in them rivers of new life. And so this morning, Jesus is saying, get in and and remember the life to which you were made for. When you can remember Christ, you can be places that feel ruined in your life can be restored through the resurrection. But when we forget about who we are in Christ, when we forget to remember the power of God in our lives, we can get lost. I had this thing happen at Christmas of this year. Any of you guys go downtown Seattle at Christmas time and do the lights and the whole thing? Okay, most of you don't. You're smart, but we'd still do. And it was crazy. And we have four kids, which is crazy. And, you know, it's chaotic. And, you know, two young kids need to go here. And an older kid needs to go there. And I said, all right, you go to the bathroom. And I'm going to take these guys here. And we're going to meet right here. Meet right here. Remember. So I go and do the thing with the kids. And I come back. And I'm looking for my, my son. He's not there. Whew. Oh, sure, it's no big deal. We, I go back to where I came from. I'm like, back. It's now five minutes. It's coming on 10 minutes. I'm now starting to kind of freak out and try to find security. And all of a sudden, you know, his hands are on me, grabs me, tears in his eyes. Ha, I, I, was, I was lost. Where were you? Like, I, I was, 
And I, I, I said this to him, I'm like, why didn't you stay where, why'd you stay where I told you that I was going to meet you? And he said this thing, it just, it just crushed me. He said, I didn't remember. I didn't remember your words. And I tried to remember, but I couldn't remember, and then I didn't know, and then I got scared, and I got lost. See, when we forget to remember, when we don't give Christ authority in our life, and we're just trying to stuff these dead places, these tombs in our life with with other places, other things, we're going to end up lost. We wonder, we remember, and we're called to believe. Everyone say believe. believe. We believe What do you do with the resurrection? If it's more than historical fact, if it's meant for present day transformation, what do you do? Look at the end of the story. It was Mary and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and Jesus and the others with them who told this to the apostles. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. But Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. He wondered, but he went anyway. And everyone in the story that goes to the tomb, they see resurrection, that's how it happens. They go looking even while they're wondering. And so Peter, Peter walks away. That's amazing. You know, like the, the other disciples don't believe because it says it's nonsense. And let's just be honest. God's timing, God's seasons, God's challenges, there's much mystery to the life of faith, right? It's, it's mysterious. But Peter has this encounter in the empty tomb and he goes away wondering, now, remember I said English is a little more limited in the Greek. The women, they apareo, they wonder, which means to be hurt and to be perplexed. Different word for Peter entirely. When Peter saw the empty tomb, he thamazo. We translate as wonder, but what it really means is he believed. He had awe. He saw God was up to something. He knew the empty tomb mattered. And so when we believe in Christ, we can be healed. God can take our dead dreams and our bandaged hearts, and he can restore us. So 1992, for me, they put my finger back together. At this point, I still don't think I'm going to play sports again. I would go on to play sports, but it wouldn't have the same spot in my life. But I went to this camp, and the speaker told me about Jesus. And I realized I tried success and expectations and trying to do all the rules, and I tried religion, and all of it was empty without Jesus. And so I decided to get in. And I said, Jesus, would you, would you let me follow you? Would, you? would you come into my heart? Jesus, would I be drawn into your spirit? And my life changed. And I began to, you know, the interior life changed first, and then the outside world changed in time to read the scriptures and to join a church. And in 1999, Easter morning, I was baptized in the Little Spokane River freezing cold, raised to life, lay down in freezing water to say, Jesus, I surrender my life. You know, see, here's the problem with baptism for a lot of people. They see it as the finish line of faith. It's actually meant to be a starting point. And so in 1999, I said, Jesus, would you just take the rest of my life? I want to follow you. And I was forever changed. And so I just want to ask you as we finish this morning, church, like, what is, what's a dead thing in your life that you just need hope restored? What's a, what's a coping mechanism that you've been doing your best to get through life and Jesus wants to say, just leave it in the grave? 
The amazing thing about the empty tomb, when you think about it, Jesus' disciples would later see him come through walls. They didn't remove the stone for Jesus to get out. Jesus moved the stone for us to get in. So it's as we get in to the life of faith that those things that we've been carrying around, my dead relationships, my hurt, my anxiety, God, I'm doing my best. My hopes have died. When we bring those things to Jesus, when we get into the tomb and say, God, take my life, we can leave them in the grave and be changed. So what do you say? What's God want to do in your life this Easter morning? I like to call our musicians back up and our prayer ministers and our baptism attendants. And this is an opportunity this morning for you to respond in faith. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. We'll have lots of ways to respond. For some that you just want to come forward and and receive a new Bible, we've got a whole bunch of Bibles to give you. And there'll be prayer people that would love just to hear what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. And for others, there's a chance to actually respond in baptism today. Raul, tell us more. Yeah, today we have prepared the baptismal, and it's not just the baptismal. It's not, we just didn't set this up. There's a whole thing going on back here, seen and unseen. We've had attendants we've been asking to participate to help guide those who would want to be baptized. So there's a lot of people hoping and expecting, waiting for you. They're prepared for you. They're going to be here for you. And, I, and what I, a thing I would add here is that there's a, there's a spirit of resistance for this moment. Satan does not want you to believe. Where's that child that yelled believe? Could they yell it again? Believe. Again. Believe. Believe. The evil one does not want you to believe that this moment is life transforma- transformative. Because it is. This is a very significant moment. And you might be here with family that you don't want them. You're not sure what they might think or friends. That doesn't matter. We're not dealing with perception. We're dealing with reality. And the reality is that this moment coming into the waters of baptism, you come forward as a new creation. And those who would desire to pray with prayer ministers, it's the same way. Come and commit your life. Come and re-engage. We want to bring you forward in the life of Christ. Will you stand with us as we close in prayer? Like I mentioned, we have Bibles down front, prayer ministers. If you're interested in being baptized, you'll come down the left-hand side. For some, it's time to get in. The Spirit of God wants to do something new in your life to break through the resistance, to take those bags of spices and to say, leave it in the grave. We're done now. We're done. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes as we close in prayer? As our, our, as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, we're going to give you a chance to respond in faith this morning. When I count to three, I'm going to actually ask you to raise your hand if you want to become a follower in Jesus for the first time or again, if you want to confirm today the Spirit of God is doing something new in your life. One, we do this, though it seems silly, we do this hand raising on the outside to signify what the Spirit of God is doing on the inside. Two, if you want to have new faith, new life through Jesus Christ, If you want to get in and leave it in the grave and be changed, I want you to raise your hand when I say three. Three. I want you to raise your hand right now if the Spirit of God is doing something new in your life. If if you want to follow Jesus, if you're tired of living by your own rules and your own way and clinging to your own pain, 
Leave it in the grave. Raise your hand nice and tall. Amen. Amen. And know right now as you raise your hand, the heavens are celebrating. Keep your hands up for a moment longer. If there are others in the room that just want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, if, if your religion feels dried and tired and you've been clinging to old pain and old hurts, raise them up. Raise your hands up. You want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit this morning, some power in your faith. You're tired of clinging to these bags of spices. All over the room, the hands are raised. Lord Jesus, we celebrate in faith what your Spirit is doing this morning. Thank you so much. Lord God, we know that we're sinners on our own. We confess this morning that we want to follow you and leave the old life in the grave. Would you allow your spirit to transform these with hands raised this morning to be new creations in you? And all God's people said, amen. Will you give a big round of applause to all those people that encountered? Man, I told you somebody's life was going to change this morning. I told you somebody's life was going to change. The thing with me, when like my finger was cut off and going to camp, I... It was a dream of significance. Do you hear me? It was a dream of my own identity I was clinging to. And as I look around this morning, God is confirming to me that he's restored that dream because he's moving in people's lives, not because of a messenger or a guitar cord or a hot tub, but by his power. Man, if we're coming to church not changed by the power of God, we're missing the very spirit he wants to put in your heart. So as we close in song, the spirit right now is starting to stir folks. Like, man, I got to do something. What do I do? For some of you ready to be baptized, you'll come out the left side. For others, just want to pray, get a Bible. Sometimes it can be scary to move in faith. Don't let the resistance stop the flow that the spirit wants to do. Let's close and worship together.